2: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why didn't you start with that?
0: The Breakfast Stampede Meal.
3: It's only at McDonald's where there's a meal for every morning, and nothing says morning like a classic
0: sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one-two-three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba
2: ba ba. Comes out to S.E.N.! Yeah! Oh my goodness! Stretch, it, it. It's a counter attack. drop and now the, it. In
4: the middle.
5: Stretch it, stretch it, mix it on any of the... Strict it, Chelsea Stretch it, Strict it, Strict it, here. And Didier Drogba, oh. in the centre. McCoy just came to the guy named... Strict <inaudible> the it, Strict it, Strict it,
2: mix it on
4: First afternoon, everybody. Welcome again to Chessie Hour. Another week, another installment of All Things SW6, All Things Stanford Bridge, All Things Chelsea Football Club We're coming from the Touchline Media Group and the Chessie Hour team. Uh, we are joined by the regulars this week: Jermaine, Dan, Pels and uh No Face, No Case, Joe Tweeds. But I'm not <laughs> going to ask you how you are today. Um, oh. I usually do because we've got we've got a nice, nice guest joining us for this evening. Um Athletic staff writer who, in his own words, covers Chelsea and more uh, on it from his Twitter bio. We're going to focus on the former um, former tonight uh, in, in his involvement. Been covering Chelsea for about five five years now in in depth. Now, Liam.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, Mourinho got sacked in my second week, so that's you can, you can time it pretty effectively from that. Patrick
4: um and Liam I'm going to just be open and honest with you mate uh, I can already feel a few a few smiles coming um I had no idea how to pronounce the surname I had to you know just I didn't want to get it wrong so nobody does I'm going to ask you two things I'm going to ask you number one for the correct way and number two for the worst way it's ever been said to you
2: right okay well yeah the the way to remember it is just to think chuckle brothers <laughs> to me, to you, um, to me, is, is is the way it's said. It's a it's an Irish name. There's two different spellings in 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 Ireland as well, which doesn't make things any easier. It is quite an effective way back in the days when people had landline phones um, to weed out like unsolicited calls, basically, because if they didn't know how to say my surname, I
4: knew they didn't know me. weren't well, welcome on the landline. weren't well, welcome. Yeah,
2: exactly. I think probably the worst pronunciation ever was from my american re teacher in secondary school who said tuami i don't know where he got the a from i don't know where that's a bit ghanian almost yeah yeah, that is ghanian
4: that's that's an interesting one maybe they were well i mean good effort for 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 saying it they have more more about them than i did to just ask Um, well he was
2: calling up he was calling up my parents to have a go about some work i hadn't done as well so it made it even worse
4: we got away with that one. I imagine it was a quick phone call, to be fair. They would have put the phone down pretty quick. They were, they were so insulted by
2: the name that I didn't catch much
4: heat. It was fine. There we go. Protected, protected. Um, brilliant. Well, yeah, thanks for joining us, Liam. And I think uh, in, in this episode in particular, I think it would be really cool to get some of your uh, insight, um, especially from the season that we've just had, because tonight is going to be all about Lampard's season review, Lampard's performance as manager, Lampard's um, come dine with me-esque performance because tonight we're not gonna we're not gonna just ebb and flow and discuss and share opinion go round and round about it's gonna be a lovely little ranking system as you might have seen on the famous dinner party show um similarly to uh our Alternative award show, we could just come out and say, Yeah, Kovacic or Mount or Yeah, Lampard was good, but can improve. No, we're gonna do something a bit more fun, a bit a, bit a little bit different. Um so yeah, thanks Liam for joining us and um really excited for it. Liam, also in in one of your big pieces on the athletic, you sort of talked about the madness of covering Chelsea. Um Mourinho's sacking in the second week aside, what has been the most surreal sort of, of moment of the coverage?
2: Oh, um, there are quite a few contenders. I think one of the ones that sticks in my mind again, because it was early on, was about three months after Mourinho got sacked. Me, Simon Johnson, actually, when he was at the Evening Standard, and about three other journalists were in a, a mix zone little huddle. And John Terry actually waited for us to finish talking to another player. I think it was Oscar, um, which doesn't happen in the mix zones. Players don't wait for you. We should have known something was up, and uh he sort of talked to him normal questions for about a minute, and then someone asked him, "Oh uh, any latest on the contract john and he went into like a obviously pre rehearsed speech about oh, it looks like I'm going to be leaving Chelsea Um the club told me they're not renewing my contract it's it, you know it's a it's a really sad day, but I respect the decision, all this sort of thing, and we're just all standing there looking at each other like, "What?" Uh, and, and it, it was crazy and and Simon Johnson who is like one of the most experienced mix zone operators I know he, he's very rarely stumped for a follow-up question and when Terry stopped talking there was like a moment of silence and and, and Simon just went well how'd you how you feel <laughs> just just to try and keep him talking because none of us knew what to say and it it turned out not be to not, not be quite the earth-shattering story that we thought it was at the time because he was politically lobbying the club in public to to, to try and um, give him an extra year and he ended up getting his way and obviously left at the end of the Conte year when they, when they won the league. But that was an early introduction to how mad covering Chelsea could be because that was like, really,
4: oh,
2: it should have been the, the quietest six months covering Chelsea possible and it still ended up being absolute madness.
4: Very, very early uh, gander into the, how political the club can be as well. And that, I don't like the term player power, always almost lost meaning, but just how big those characters can be in terms of lobbying the club in public and everything like that. So, yeah, really dived in there, Liam Knight. A good, good first few weeks on the job. You've done well. But, um, but yeah, looking forward to getting into this. Um, tonight we are going to categorise some of these um, I guess, I guess, areas in which a manager can be ranked. We might miss some out. We, we tr- I've tried to be as exhaustive as I possibly can. Um, just one more question, Liam, before, before we get into this. Uh, who's the person you most dislike at the club currently? <laughs> no, I'm not expecting to answer that, don't worry, but I thought, I thought I'd try it out. Um, right, you've, uh, got,
2: you've, got, you've got to pick someone that I'm not expecting to ask to talk to again. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it there works.
4: Uh, Batshuayi maybe who knows Um, (laughs) so tonight I'm going to outline the category Um, I might direct it to you guys I might be a free-for-all in true touchline uh, fracka form fashion Um, unfortunately for Dan Joe and who's not with us tonight there is no designated section especially how Lampard has handled Hudson Adoy or Jorginho I'm sorry lads you can do that on the Patreon Um, and yeah have a little chat and then I'm going to come round for the scores and I'll keep an eye on the clock so in terms of categorising how Lampard has performed, I think first I want to start just off the pitch a little bit. Um, and this is one that we, we've discussed at different times on the podcast as well because it's been noticeable in players' um, involvement and lack of involvement and and little things like that. Um, so, number one, man management. How he has done in his first season at this sort of level in managing, um, no disrespect to Derby County, but players who might have achieved as much uh, in the game, played at a similar standing, and maybe not just been as awed to be coached by Frank Lampard as much. Um, So there has been a few extremities, according to the fan base. There's almost been the Mount must play at any means, which I'm not a huge backer of. I think Mount very much has merited his selection this year. And then there's been the kind of Giroud, Outcasting early on to then rely on him a bit later, so it's it's an interesting little blend. So I guess Liam, you're, you're maybe best poised to start this one off in terms of being around the club and and sort of getting a feeling from players and coaching staff and this and the other. Man management's not something we always see um, in detail. So Liam, if you want to kick us off on, on where you where you think the man management's been a success, could improve, and then everybody else chime in.
2: Well I, th- I think the first thing to say is this isn't the most intimidating Chelsea squad to take over even if you're a fairly young coach you know it's, it's not like Andre Villas-Boas coming into the Chelsea squad that had Lampard and Terry and you know th- those really huge huge names and huge personalities that practically ran the dressing room say so the strongest personality in, in this Chelsea squad when Lampard took over was David Luiz, and uh, he he won that battle fairly early on. Um, and I think I, I think that was more of a football decision than anything else. Lampard's made it very clear that he he respects Luiz, and you know he obviously has affection for him based on what they achieved as teammates. But he made a judgment very early on that that Luiz wasn't the right fit for the team he was trying to build. And Louise is the type of character as well, who will always say what he thinks, and and so I think you have to be slightly wary with him. While he's not necessarily a, a bad character, he 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 has the potential to be disruptive in certain contexts, and I think we saw that with Conte a little bit. Um, we saw it at times before that in his Chelsea career. He's just a bit of a maverick, a bit of a free thinker, um, and Lampard recognised that, and I think he he saw the importance of trying to establish a culture in which he was the, the ultimate authority early on. And he was able to do that from the very first summer. And I think what, one of the things that runs through this season is how little you've heard behind the scenes in terms of drama at the training ground. There's been, there's been nothing. When you think about it, that's actually really unusual for a Chelsea season. There's, there's, there's often a, a training ground bust up or, on the more subtle end of things, there's often little reports that you know you can tell might have been briefed out of the dressing room against the manager or against something the manager's done. There's been none of that here, and that's partly because of the way Lampard's handled it um, but I think it's also partly because of just who he is and uh, coming in, he had a greater level of affection from the average people the you know the the average workers at Cobham everyone at the the training ground uh than any manager before him because of his pre-existing connections to the club and everyone wants to see him succeed and everyone feels invested in his success so i think he's done well managing the dressing room it hasn't been the toughest challenge um but he's handled it well and in particular one of the things you alluded to when at the start when you intro in this he established early on that the players that trained best would play and he stuck to that all season early on he gave the young players a chance to establish themselves and and for as long as they merited selection they were in the team but you saw since the restart Tammy Abraham's form dropped off a bit he takes a back seat Olivier Giroud comes in and and you could argue maybe save Chelsea's season with his form Um, so he held true to that standard the whole season I think that's why the older players respected him and the younger players
4: respected him. Dan, I know you um, saw the Louise move as quite an early marker being thrown down as well, um, and, I, and I know your view of the um, train, well, play, uh, and that almost, almost changing week to week as as maybe not the positive that that Liam's kind of alluded to there.
3: Yeah, yeah. I disagree, Liam. Um, I'm Dan. So, I think that... Um, well, no, he's
4: disagreed before he's introduced himself. Good, good, <laughs> order, <laughs> good order.
3: Welcome, I'm Dan. Yeah. Oh, do you know what it is? Um, I think we've heard Lampard say across the season, Giroud's been training amazingly. We've heard like him say that a lot of these players, they're training hard. The reason why they're not playing is just maybe because Tammy's been informed. And I think if you look over the stretch of the season... particularly there have been games where we've had like two games within a week. I don't think you can say that Giroud has only merited to come into the team towards the end of the season. I think there's been plenty of opportunities for Giroud to come in. I don't necessarily feel like it's been a meritocracy. I feel like Lampard had his idea of why Tammy starts, because maybe he presses more. And maybe he thought at this point, Giroud doesn't suit my style of play. I don't, think that's like, I don't think that's a meritocracy. I feel like that's preconceived ideas. And I think that Giroud has actually shown him, you know what, I can, I can do well in a Lampard team. And so like, I think it's easy to say that it's been a meritocracy just because maybe, obviously, we might be, I don't want to talk on your behalf, Liam, but we might be in the Lampard camp, but I just feel like there's been plenty of opportunities for players to come in where potentially he's his played his favourites. That's just the way that I view it. Now, what I'll say about Lampard's man management is there's not many players really agitating to leave. And look, we've had Mourinho as a manager, and we know like he can come in, especially third season, and just light the whole place up. Everybody, like you hear, Cesc wants to leave, Hazard wants to leave. There's plenty of rumours where people are agitating to get out. Actually, right now, most people are fighting to stay. Even players like Emerson, who's been on the outside, I'm hearing stories that actually, you know, he doesn't mind staying. Maybe it's because of COVID and the kind of uncertainty of the market. But what I will say is, even though I feel like Lampard's really kind of, he's not stayed true to his promise. I disagree with Liam there. But I feel like I'll give him marks in terms of, it doesn't seem like people hate it so much that they went out.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you can see it with Giroud, can't you? Because Giroud was one of the senior players who was desperate to leave at the end of January. But it didn't become an issue. Issue with Lampard, yeah. it didn't become a personality issue, and I think that's been Lampard's success: is that he has managed the relationships well, yeah. even when he's had to disappoint players. And I do, I, I don't agree that he's played favourites because we're <laughs> about, a, we're about a month removed from Mason Mount getting hooked at half time in an FA Cup tie against Leicester. So yeah. uh, he's been prepared to, to, to be tough on everyone, um, but I, do, I do think he's just not got his selection right every single week. He's made mistakes. And he's maybe not always picked the best people for
4: for certain games. I'm going to stop you there, Liam, because that is a whole other category and I don't want to give away too much on there. I'm going to come round for scores just so we can get the first one ticked off. Uh, Jermaine, mate, out of 10, come down with me. I know you might not have a big white placard there ready. I I was hoping someone would make one, but good effort, boys. Clearly not. (laughs) Um, Out of 10, man management, Lampard. I'd
0: probably give him an eight. Cool. I'd probably give him it quite high. Mainly, mainly just because of some of the reasons the boys have just said. But um, I also think, like, even in terms of selection, like, there's a possibility that Tammy and Gerrude are both training at the same level. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. what do you do then? Do you, it's, it's just a matter of who, who he feels he needs to go with at the time. So, although people might feel like, oh, he, he's not stuck to his promise, he probably has, but he's just decided to go the other way with, with, with some yeah, of the yeah. players. Pels, so,
4: yeah. out of 10? Yeah, I got eight as well. Um,
5: the kind of the, the minus two from the ten is probably around the kind of players that um, you know were maybe I don't want to say frozen out per se, but at times didn't maybe get the minutes that you would think that they, they were deserving of. Um, I found I think the Giroud one is a little bit more interesting than, than maybe where we've spoken about or has been spoken about just because. Um, of how integrity looks to the to the way we play now, and you kind of wonder how that's been missed, maybe. Um, and I, so I do understand Dan's point in that in that regard. But like for the duration of the season, I feel like he's done a really really good job of kind of mm-hmm. um, keeping it together and keeping keeping the squad um, more or less happy and keeping the fans happy as a result. of That yeah. um, I know a few of the you know the American fans won't be too happy with the kind of the early <laughs> the six minutes, but. Generally speaking, I think, he's, I think he's done a really, really good
4: job. Well, and you could argue that he's thrown a gauntlet down and got performances out of that as well. Unknown tweeds, We don't have a face, but we do have a score out of 10.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with eight again. Um, I think the, the interesting thing for me is that I, he's probably the first Chelsea manager that's actually created some kind of equality within the squad. You know, he's obviously pushed young players early on, but he's kind of pushed them to establish them. While sort of still being able to keep the senior players feeling sort of senior and experienced, but he's mm-hmm. actually sort of brought young players up to a level now where you're actually you can you can see that other players will count on them. Um, and I think certainly previous managers who have kind of dropped young players in, they've always looked like young academy players playing in the first team. So I think that sort of man management of what he's done of bringing that balance between your you know your youngsters and your senior players that for me takes takes skill, and I think that's probably yeah. why he gets an eight for me. Cool. fair
4: play, Liam. Are we going to buck the trend of eights? Are you going to go higher, lower?
2: I'm I'm stuck actually between a seven and eight. And the only reason why I'd probably go for a seven is, is because alluding to what I said before, I don't think this is the most difficult dressing room to manage. Mm. I think previous Chelsea managers have had much more difficult um, tasks. And even actually, if Eden Hazard had still been here, he's not a difficult personality in the slightest. He's He's a super nice guy, but he's a superstar who doesn't train very hard, doesn't particularly press and kind of does what he wants and he's good enough to make it work. But that would have made it diff- more difficult
4: mm. for
2: Lampard to do what he wanted to do than the challenge he's had. So i
4: I'd go seven. Oh, and last but not least, Dan. Yeah,
3: Liam's made it difficult for me because I wanted to come in just under everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and You went to go and pick seven. So I think that I want to give him a seven too. And the reason why I want to give him a seven is because... I think there's been periods in the season potentially where he's, I think, in the press. He's kind of been hard on the players. And look, you can be hard on the players, but I don't know. For me, I feel like, um, especially when we started to get our form earlier on in the season, I think when we got the news that the transfer window was open and he started to talk about other players, potentially, I think, our form may have dipped because before he kind of created a camaraderie for saying, like, listen, we're banned, we're all in this together. And I think a couple of times we've seen that kind of all go to pot when um, the transfer ban came, um, when that got lifted and he started to talk about other players. And I think that's when players started to think, OK, actually, maybe I'm not as wanted. And I don't know, I feel like he could have done better. I don't, I don't feel like he'd done that bad, so I'll give him a seven.
4: Cool. So averaging out at seven point six is a strong start for 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 Frank the Gaffer. Um maybe one that needs less deliberation, but I would argue is is no less important to um senior management as Steve McLaren found when he was coin wally with the Broly. And I think there's a certain element to when Conte came in, oh look at him on the touchline there, oh, the passion and, and Klopp early on. It's like, yeah, he's really uniting that fan base and then on the on the flip side, there's just some things that people just strangely fawn over, like Pep reinventing the, the guffers' wardrobe, bringing out smart casual and everything like that. So uh, I'm just going to ask for Lampard's touchline techers. And now we don't need to deliberate this one, but just how does he look there? How does he feel there? How does he handle himself there? And on a more superficial level, um, where does he rank between Pep's cool dad at sports day against Wenger not finding his pocket? So, uh so, yeah, just going to come round. Liam, out of 10 for Touchline Techers from Lamps.
2: He certainly looks more stylish in the club shop attire than Sari did, but it's a, that's a fairly low bar. Um, I, th- I would say probably an eight. Are we just talking about the way he's dressed?
4: Well, listen, the, Liam, this is a podcast is the where way you, he, you can interpret many things many ways. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> is, it, is it also the way he conducts himself?
4: I think so, textuary? because I think, I think you do get managers like Van Gaal got, I think a lot of it is baseless, but he got criticised for writing notes and, and sitting down, you know? So I think, yeah. I, think there's, I think fans do get something out of that in a stadium as well, um, you know, when we eventually get them back in there. So it's just round it off, really.
2: Yeah, well, Lampard certainly doesn't merit like his own sort of player cam like Conte did. Uh, He's quite, he's got a set routine. He'll stand up, watch the action for a little bit, then he'll walk slowly back, sit down next to Jodie Morris and and chat to him for for about a minute and then get back up again. Occasionally he'll clap his hands a bit and ask him to play a bit faster. He doesn't really say an awful lot, which is why that whole spat with Klopp and the Liverpool bench was so entertaining. So yeah, I pr- I probably give him give him an eight because he more for being quite a, a sort of stylish stoic presence.
4: Jermaine, as a resident passion merchant of the podcast, a stoic presence can't be up your street, surely? Once ten. <laughs> well,
0: I'm giving him a ten just for the Liverpool, oh. just for the Liverpool. Staff, <laughs> I don't I'm Chelsea all through and through in it, and I just thought <laughs> him to let him know like so early on, like we we're, we're not even in a, in a position to even like really speak to Klopp like that right now do you know what I mean but <laughs> the fact that Lampard knows who he is and what he's done for the club and obviously he's our gaffer at the moment I just thought that was like probably his best highlight and I don't think he's probably going to have um, a much better one than that to be fair but um, yeah,
4: yeah, early.
0: I'd, yeah I'd just give him a 10 but mainly I think as well I like the fact that he has a, a, a good bond with like the players when they score and they go over to him and that, I think there is like a proper like together with him in the squad as well. So
4: yeah. I'll, I'll take this for that. Pels, he, he might not be doing enough chin stroking for you. I don't know.
5: Yeah, there's not there's not enough deliberation. I don't he doesn't look he, like, he doesn't look confused enough, I think. Mind you. <laughs> um, nah, I I'll give him a six. I just think he's got like an air of like the foolish tracksuit manager that um I'm personally not too keen on. I'd like a little bit more nagelsman, a little bit more Pep. But um yeah like he just he's not be really put a foot wrong um or Done anything worth noting? I'd say by the Liverpool um, Liverpool game. So yeah, six is like my average. He just kind
3: of goes about his business.
4: It's a good point on the club shop attire because I I would have always sort of had Lampard down as as a suit man, but he he just want, maybe he wants to show he's down with the kids. I don't know keeping the legs, he doesn't mate. want
2: to take his boots off, mate. He that, want that's to take it, isn't off,
4: it, isn't it? Oh, mate, the amount of times like our oh, pre-seasons here, Lampard's in the five-on-five five again. All right, okay, cool. Uh, Joe. Oh, um, I think as, as Meads
1: isn't here, I think I'm gonna to have to pull the resident city boy card and, and look at the, the suit. So I'm gonna to have to go five, you know. I think Continue Lampard has one of the best watch collections in world football. The fact that he's wearing a 120 pound tracksuit rather than like a three grand suit,
3: yeah, like I'd,
1: I'd like to see him work on that a little bit for next season. So, yeah,
4: but fair, five me, but yeah, fair,
3: Joe. Uh, Dan. It's always the person before me. I was coming in at the five. I was coming in at the five. I went to be <laughs> lowest, but like it, it's weird because at Derby he was wearing a suit all season, and yeah. I, I think if I'm correct, the first match, United game, I think he wore a suit, but he just ditched it. Well, and I would, uh, to be fair, if if he's a superstitious
4: man, then maybe yeah. uh, that United yeah, game. Maybe
3: it was that four 0 slapping. but but yeah, apart from that, like like Liam said, he's more like routineish. He's not really like a free spirit like on the touchline. So yeah, and and he. He hasn't really had a touchline frapper. and that's on like that's the brand.
4: So uh, I can only, I can't give him more than the five. Okay, so rounding off there at uh, only six point eight. So uh, for such a young manager, you'd expect a little bit higher there. Lampard maybe underperformed. And on the next category, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you first, Dan, just so you don't get uh, sold short by whoever goes first. And again. Okay. It's tough- I'm calling it off pitch just because it's much more to do with the training ground probably. Um, and just just a few words on, on general player progression. So obviously our first thoughts going to go to Mount Tamori, arguably Pudisic, um, Tammy, Rhys James, Hudson and But I mean, good managers improve experienced players all the time as well. So I guess just in terms of developing players and in terms of improving what he has at his disposal, where, where'd you go with that one?
3: Um, so this is developing players, not what you get out of players. But who do you, who do I think is a better player now than the start of the season? Okay, so like maybe in terms of improving players, it's difficult to tell. But what I'll say is reputation-wise, Tammy Abraham before the start of the season, like a lot of people's questioning, is he a Premier League striker? Actually, Tammy Abraham as well, even at Aston Villa, he didn't really score goals out of the box. I know for sure. I think I remember some interviews saying that, yeah, he actually stays behind and trains with Lampard in terms of shooting. And so, yeah, Tammy Abraham, 15 goals. He didn't even start all of the games. I think he's a big win for Lampard. Mount, um, again, another player where I don't think before the season people would have had him down as a Premier League player. Again, that's an improvement. Giroud. People are questioning. Don't forget, Giroud had a, a run of games under Sari, and he didn't score goals. He did score, like I'm talking about in the Premier League. He scored goals in Europa, but there are. There are I think you can say there are a number of players, um, again, that he has improved. Um, but then again, you look at Hudson the Doer. I know he's come back from injury, and I know like he's still young. But I, I think if we're looking at towards like at this point, I think. People kind of rate him a lot less than they did at the beginning of the season. Now, the question is do we put that on Hudson the Doy? Do we put that on Lampard? But if it's his job to develop players, I think if you look at Hudson the Doy, if you look at Tomori, who we talk about man management, Tomori came in, everybody became. I think actually there's a cycle where young players tend to come in and everybody say they're the best young player. So, like we've seen it with, with Reese James. And then later on, Actually, I think maybe um, opinion kind of comes down. So, um, what I'll say is, I think he's done really. I think he's done well, well enough for a new manager. But at the same time, there's obviously going to be room for improvement.
4: Any contributions contrary to Dan's? There.
1: No, I think I think a lot of the same. Really, um, I think he's he's made improvements to to a lot of players individually. Um, Certainly, like, I don't know if we're going to talk about tactics and structure and stuff like that in a bit, but I think taking you should, players... You show me
4: better than that, Joseph. I, you? <laughs> I,
1: was, I was just giving you a chance to come in and save it just in case. But uh, no, I mean, I, th- I think sort of, you know, moving from, from quite a structured system, certain players have, have improved a bit. Some players have regressed, I think, sort of moving them away from, from more of like an instruction-based style of play. But I, I think I largely ag- agree with, with Dan. Um, I think the, certainly the, the guys have come in from the Championship you know, even us who are we're all super positive towards academy players in general. I think, you know, some of the, the performance levels have surprised even us in terms of how how important they've been to to the top four finish. So yeah, I go with uh go with yeah. I have also think it's uh, been pretty decent.
4: Okay, cool. I'm gonna zoom around for scores on this one and then throw your two pence in as we as we get there. Pels, as the um probably Joe's only rival to be in the Academy aficionado of the uh to the point, Liam. By the way, in our alternative uh, award show, which you only one who wasn't here for that, obviously, Balumi refused to nominate someone for the Josh McKechnie Award of the least likely to make it at Chelsea out of the academy players. That's how that's how diehard this boy is. So, uh, Pels, what are we saying? Player progression.
5: I'm sorry that I don't want to put any negative energy into anyone's career at present. <laughs> um, for me, I think that um, the player progression. Is a little bit difficult to really assess in terms of over a season, stylistically. Would I say that many of the players have, have gone on leaps and bounds and changed like elements of their game? Not necessarily. Um, I do think that the ability for them to, to showcase what they can do at this stage is a good step in itself. Um, I don't know if many people thought that despite being a good, good goal scorer at championship level, um, based on Tammy's season at Swansea, obviously in a different system and under different circumstances. Um, maybe people might have thought that, you know, actually he's a mid-table type striker or he's a, he's a top-level, you know, championship forward. Um, so for him to be able to kind of recreate some of that form at this level is is a sign of, of a really good step and to, for him to be playing in a structure that, that suits him somewhat. The um, same with Mount, I think, despite, you know, um, Rhys James having a, a bit of up and down, um, he's someone also that, you know, showcased in, in, in games, especially that, you know, Champions League game against Ajax, what he's capable of. So I think for the academy players, like I said, not maybe not stylistic growth, but certainly like a, a maturity in their game that is, is that can be credited to Lampard. Um, and with regards to, you know, some of the, the older players, um, like someone like Giroud, like you mentioned, I think Zoom has grown this season, especially when you consider the kind of, the big injury he had maybe two seasons ago, I think Zoom is emerging as probably our best at heart. But um, equally there's, and and Pulisic is, is one that obviously has bested, kind of got his best goals tally in a league season. Um, so there are there are plus points, but then equally you know the defenders don't look much better, or look worse if anything, um, than they did last season. Certainly, um, Kepa looks a lot worse, and I don't know if, if I can really attribute that to to the, to the manager. But there are there are bits there where you do think actually have, has he put all of them in the best place to get better, in the best place to kind of. Um, to really, really kind of showcase their, their talents, and I'm and I'm not 100 percent sure that that's been the case for everyone. Um, so yes, a mixed bag, a mixed bag. But it, it I kind of a lot of it so often is mixed, I guess.
4: What's your rating? Yeah, Pels, mate. Like that is classic Palumi, there. What I've just not got right. to the point. Great point. You know, I give, give him a seven. But uh, all right, cool. Yes, yes I was looking for a number, really. Yeah, I mean a number would do I next know. time. I um,
3: I was... But yeah, Dan. Um, I forgot about Kovacic and Barkley as well. Both of these are so like we talk about England Barkley. Uh, we've seen Barkley for Chelsea do well. Obviously, Kovacic, he's freedom dribbling. So I would say, yeah, I think I'd probably give him a seven as well.
4: Decent, Liam.
2: I'd probably give him a six, um, and I say that because I think he's done phenomenally well in empowering and establishing the academy boys, putting them in positions of real real responsibility in key areas in attack. And Chelsea are going to reap the benefits of that for years to come. I think he managed Pulisic excellently. As much as people tried to project an agenda onto him in the the first few months, he protected him after a busy summer uh, of international football and put him in position to, to blossom. And now Pulisic is on a superstar trajectory at Chelsea. And he might have reached that anyway, but I think Lampard deserves credit for that. On the flip side, I don't think any of the, t- the defenders have got better. Um, a lot of the centre-backs, I'd say all of the centre-backs, part bar Zuma, look worse now. Well, Tamori obviously has just come in, but Christensen and Rudiger look worse now than they did a year ago. Mm. Kepa looks a lot worse um, to the point where he is now Kind of a write off of an asset, and he was always overpriced, but now he's a huge, huge problem for Chelsea because his confidence is just completely shattered. And it, 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 it's a good you point what you made it... there,
4: Liam. Sorry, just to cut you, we we rewatched the Europa League final a couple of us, mm-hmm. and um, even in that final, like you, there were some mistakes from Kepa, but you realize watching it back, he dominated the narrative and wasn't so consistently as poor anywhere close, like, at all. yeah.
2: I think he was slightly, but probably slightly below par last year, and the and the advanced stats would back that up. But he wasn't having the worst season in Opta's database, which is what was happening <laughs> this season. Uh, and I, I think part when you, when you look at all of the defenders and the goalkeepers, goalkeeper as a whole, and Caballero's had like not a great season either when he's played. Um, I think you have to probably put that down to Lampard's system being so mm. focused on dominating possession and playing. Attacking football, that he's probably overexposed players Mm. that aren't capable of assuming the level of responsibility he's giving them. Um, So, splitting the difference would be five. I'm giving him slightly more credit for the achievements with the young players than the regression
4: defensively. Speaking of Pulisic agendas, <laughs> you, you, oh, you should <laughs> listen to some of our old episodes and listen to this man Dan talk. Liam, honestly, honestly. I, I'm
3: sorry. I just I like to come in at the bottom rung. It's on brand. So can you change my? <laughs> oh, no,
4: you pick seven. You can't. There's no two cards in come down me. Jermaine, one to ten.
0: Yeah, I will probably give him a seven as well. I think he's managed that. Yeah, same kind of players like Barkley. I think he's looked good. Um, probably, probably had some of his best games for us. that like, probably this season. Um, Kovacic, in terms of the freedom. I think mentally as well. I think Lampard's probably done wonders for like some of these players. I think mm. people always look at, like, obviously just them playing on the pitch and in terms of what they can do with coaching and that, but I think um, mentally what you do for a player is is key. And I think Lampard has probably had, like, really positive effects on some of these players. Um, obviously, Pulisic probably being one of the main ones.
1: Um, but, yeah. yeah, I
4: think seven. I think seven's fair. I think seven's cool. fair. And then, and then Joe? Yeah, I'll go seven as well. Oh, so averaging out at 6.8 again. This is looking very... Um, didn't score a goal on football manager so far for Frank Lampard. <laughs> um, we're going to get into the real meat now, uh, which which is, could, we could be here a wild lads. So i see Liam had a mug. I hope there was caffeine in it. Um, <laughs> on the pitch now, we're going to go towards... And, and I think just the big one here um, is just team and tactics. And I think there, there's some sub subcategories after this which do relate to this slightly um, but just general team and tactics in terms of setting up for games obviously we've seen a lot of systems we've seen a four two three one that essentially looked like a four two four a lot of the time we've seen a sort of deeper flat four three three we've seen uh, a four three three with mount floating into a ten space a lot more we've seen three four threes we've seen well, diamonds in preseason it, it wasn't afraid to mix it up um, some right, some wrong, but you, you expect that maybe from a from a man still finding his way around uh, the top end. So teams and tactics, off we go. I know people have things to get off their chest.
1: I'll jump in. Um, I think the, the the biggest concern for me has always been that for for some incredible performances that we've had. The the difference between the top performances we've had and some of these poor performances for me that's that's far too far too wide. Um, you know, you look at. Uh, I don't know the Arsenal away performance when he, when we switch formations. Spurs away, I think that the, the way we set up against City recently, those kind of performances, even the the United game semi-final, then the, the following the following you know in the final against against Arsenal, where we kind of completely played into their hands in terms of the the, the the sort of structure of the team. So I think yeah, the the, the times he's got it right, it's looked really good. Um, but I think the times that we've got it wrong, it, it has looked incredibly incredibly poor. And I think for me that. That's that's the biggest thing that Lampard needs to do for next season is having a like a base level performance that's a lot higher than some of the the, the sort of formations we've seen this season. I've mentioned it all the time, but going from that kind of super structured football from Conte, Sarri, you know, set patterns of play, set set ways of moving the ball to almost like completely free form at times. I don't think it's always worked. Um, when it when it works, it looks fantastic. But I still think that there are players here who need more instruction, a bit more coaching, a bit more structure. Um, so, for me, if I'm, if I'm going early in on a score, I would go six and a half, but we're not doing half points. So, um, I want to go...
4: We don't do things in halves,
1: John. No. The thing is, I don't want really to give him a six, but I don't think it's quite a seven. So, I, I'll go six. It is quite low, but that's because I just think that there's there's so much to, to, to work on in, in these sort of poor performances that we've had. So, yeah, six for me. Cool, yeah. I'll go next. Oh, all right, go yeah, oh,
5: it. you know, I'm itching for it, mate. Um, I think for me, I'd go six two. Um, I was I was stuck between a six and a five to be honest. Um, just because I feel like there's been the level of inconsistency that we've had rather is is, is down to a lot of the inconsistency of like tactical choice of system of um personnel. I think the the amount of kind of change in, in regards to formation in particular is something that we've we've kind of bared the brunt of and we've, we've felt the inability to really and it's, I guess it's difficult and I don't I don't mean to gloss over it but the the, the inability to, to pick the, the right system for the right game in terms of just maybe a bit of copy and paste as we've said or the, re, the reactionary kind of set up a formation to the previous game as opposed to the opposition that's in front of him um, so we speak about like the three four three. And the the wins against Southampton, but then going into, I mean, the wins against Tottenham, sorry, and then kind of using that same formation against Southampton, and then it not working, and and us being by them and not being able to find space, Uh, and even just the the start of the Arsenal game away, where we start with that formation again, and it's like this this is not going to work, so we have to, we have to kind of make a make a change. And I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion with regards to how he gets his way or his ideals out from the training ground onto the pitch and I think we've seen that in the amount of changes he's made just because maybe he's not sure um, there's not a lot of experience there in terms of what works and and when I compare it to someone like Akonte, he I feel as though he was always fixated upon a back three of some sort um, started off the season the kind of 4 one one and has moved, moved into the formation that he wanted um, but there was a lot of consistency in terms of the ideals and we knew exactly more or less how we were going to play every week I don't see that kind of similar consistency and assurance in the in the ideals that he's got. So for me, it's, it's a six just based on the kind of the, the difficulties and the team issues that we've seen. Um, it's not to say that it's, it's awful, but it's just like, like Joe says, it could be a lot better.
3: Cool. I'll go next then. I'll go in with a hard four just to make sure that I stay bottom, but also... I feel like... Um, what have you
4: got against Lampard? Do you want to give him the lowest score for everything?
3: No, it's not. I haven't got anything against Lampard, but okay. I That's think... No, nah, it's not <laughs> even that. Do you know what I think? I just feel like it's okay to admit that this is his first, like, or second season as a manager, first season in the Premier League. He doesn't have it all perfected. There's a lot of good things that we see, but we, I, don't, I just feel like we don't kind of have to pretend that everything's great. So if we look at it, 12 losses. Is it 12 losses? I can't remember in the Premier League, but there's, there's been a lot of losses. Now, also, there's been a lot of good things. So, like, it's like we finished top four because we didn't draw that many games, but we, we, we won a lot and we lost a lot. And I feel like he's still trying to, like, kind of what Pallumi said, he's still trying to kind of translate what he wants effectively on a pitch. And I just feel like he hasn't got that yet. He hasn't settled on the system. I feel coming to the Premier League, it's a difficult job already. You're a new manager. You've got a lot of new players, you know. Um, you know, there's, there's so many new kind of variables for him. I just feel like it would have been better if he was more stable in formation, in picking a defence, do you know what I mean? And I feel like even when he was stable for a while, so I think he stuck with a four two three one for through the majority of the season. But I feel like, as we can see towards the end of the season, after reflection, after lockdown, actually... I've always kind of said, and maybe it's just me trying to confirmation bias, but I've always said that Mount is better away from the number 10. And I feel like maybe he feels more open to like, noticing things that wasn't working. He could have seen that before the lockdown reflection. So the reason why I give him four is because I feel like it's not been great, but I feel like, like there's so much room for improvement. So um, I don't want it to seem like Lampard bashing. It's more that, yeah, the fact that he's out of four now and we can finish top four, there's, there's,
4: that's actually exciting for me. Okay. And Liam, I'm going to come to you just uh, for your score, but also with with a question similar, alluding to something Dan has said. He said uh, he doesn't know if Lampard's able and Pulumi, um able to get his vision on the pitch well. Just from being around the club and at the training ground and stuff, I imagine, do you get the feeling that he's that sure of that vision himself right now? And could that be part of the reason it's not translating well because it's not that set in stone?
2: I think Lampard knows the way he wants the team to play. I think he's got quite a clear idea. He wants fast, forward-thinking possession football. The amount of times I've seen him on the touchline on Chelsea's slower days, like clapping his hands and saying fast, 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 like every time they get the ball in midfield or one of the centre-backs, forward, find a forward pass. And he's been relentless frustrated, I think on those days at the players' inability to to do it. Um, you can argue maybe he's not coaching that well enough, but like Joe said, I think there is quite a free form element to the way he wants the team to play in transition. It's not all passing, so it's not passing circuits and you know preordained patterns. Um, I think he's he's learning on the job, and he's also wrestling with. A flakiness in this squad that existed under Conte, under Sarri, um, where the, some days they just don't bring it. They don't. They don't bring the same level of intensity of, of pressing. They don't bring the same precision to their work. Um, and that comes from the senior players. And I think you know, on the days when the senior players don't have it, it's hard for the young players to set that standard or, or drag back a game that's going wrong. Um, I do think it Chelsea's game management has been poor at times. There it's been late venger era Arsenal esque, to be frank, at times. Um, against Arsenal. And uh yeah, I think uh, there so there have been problems with that. I think he's he's generally picked the right time to switch to three four three, but then he's fallen in love with it and stuck with it too long against teams he shouldn't be playing it against and um and I, I think overall, he's probably got tactics right more than wrong this season, and that's why Chelsea finished fourth. But he's got it wrong enough times that you that you still feel he has plenty of room to grow as a manager. And certainly,
4: so what would be team your...
2: and the way they play.
4: Yeah, plenty I, I of can room to grow. 12, twelve losses there tell you how converse and the variance in that. What what would you be your your out of ten, there, Liam? Sorry, I forgot. I didn't. No, 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 it's you're not as um, bad as Paloubi was just then, so it's all right.
2: Uh, it would be a six from me.
4: Six, OK. And Jermaine, final word?
0: Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I'd probably go about a six as well. But I feel like even with his like teams and tactics, I think the chopping and changing hasn't helped at all. But I think um, there's been a lot of games as well where we have seen him get his idea across. And it's been more kind of like the players not producing, do you know what I mean? In terms of, like, we should have killed games off very early. All of a sudden, then draws or losses are, you know, they could possibly be wins. So I think um, some of these questions that have come about for Lampard as well, I think they still would have been there, but I don't think they would have been as frequent because I I don't think he might have had, like, 12 losses, say, for example, if Werner and Ziyech were maybe up front, do you know what I mean? So I I don't know. I I feel like he's got a lot of learning to do, but I've I've seen quite a clear kind of pattern
4: in terms of his plate as well a lot yeah. of the time this season. So that's so averaging that at 5.6 there for team and tactics, which I guess if you're being really numerical is almost split down the middle, is um, his lowest stat to, to date. And I guess this, this plays into, into team and tactics in general, but I think it is something significant enough that managers do get judged on that I've made it as separate category. Um So we'll just run the ratings on this one because I think a lot of this has been covered in the discussion around team and tactics more generally, but ranking for big game gaffering. So I mean, here we've got such an interesting array of ones to pick for. We've lost a double to United but then got them back in the semi-final and we, we had the Super Cup as sort of an early indication of being a brave team. We've actually played really well against Liverpool almost every time. Only one in three against Arsenal, most significantly losing a final, um, the biggest game of all of the big games, and then Europe hasn't been fantastic. Valencia was an early red flag. Bayern, there's an argument there that we kind of just got picked apart in, I guess, the fragility and the. Flakiness that Liam talked about a little bit in a three minute spell, but then you have had an FA Cup run as well against some big teams, so it's an interesting one here in terms of his big game management in particular. So, what would your rankings be there, Jermaine? Start us off, Jermaine. You're muted, mate. Sorry,
0: hey, yeah. Um, big game, Gafferin. I don't know, the double over Jose is obviously a big thing, isn't it? So obviously that's great, but then there's the double from bloody Moyes. So it's like, you know what I mean? That, that still bothers me now. Like the West Ham double, you might know already. Like that that kills me. So I feel like
3: um I just, six. But hold is West Ham is West Ham a big game? A big game. Is that because it's derby? Is that cause it's is that what you're saying? Like a London derby? We should. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's a pro. You just don't lose that game. As simple as that, isn't it? You just don't lose. But I feel like, um, yeah, big game, gathering, I'll probably give him a six. I'll
3: probably give him a six.
4: Of course, I, I forgot so. I was talking to Jermaine. Every game, <laughs> is a big game for Jermaine, uh i uh, Oh, I'm giving it a five. Short and succinct, there, Pels. Sorry,
5: my for me.
4: <laughs> no deliberation.
3: Dan. Do you know what? This is one of the ones where, and it's not because you called me out last time for trying to out at the bottom, but this is one of the ones where I actually want to give him high because I'm going to take him to context that he's a new manager. And I think that he's done really, really, like, better than I would have hoped in the big games in general. Um, there's, there's been so many big game wins in terms of at least we've beat every single t- It feels like we've beat every single team, whether it's United, City, Tottenham. So he's given us a lot of big wins. He's gone on the FA Cup run. Um, even the Champions League, the only games that I've been really disappointed with is by Munich. Like we could have done better in the villains in the league games, but like in the league part of the Champions League. But I think just in general, I've been really impressed with Lampard um, in the big games. So yeah, I'm gonna give him. Did I give him a number? I gave him a six or seven. Let me go
5: six. Oh, cool. Liam, that's your really high, Dan. That's your high. Yeah, that <laughs> says a lot about
4: Bantle.
0: Uh, all that talk, and he gave up? I thought it was going to come
3: like seven, eight. It was like an eight
4: coming or something. <laughs> I said six or seven. The fact that I considered seven, you know, that's hard. Uh, Liam, where are you where are you having him for the, the big games in particular?
2: I'm actually going for seven. I think, yeah. I think Chelsea's um, performances in the big games have generally been better than their record this season. Arsenal, the only team that they've been crap against three times. Uh, I think I think they, they were unlucky to lose to United at least. Probably two of those defeats were yeah, slightly yeah. freakish results. Um, they played City and Liverpool well pretty much every time they played them. Yeah,
4: I agree. Which is
2: a positive sign. And I actually don't give them much of a demerit for the Bayern tie because I think the Bayern home... I think Bayern are possibly the best team in the world right now. Um, and they played like it both times. And the second game... It's a glorified training game. Held I mean, three yeah, months after the first leg, honest. you
4: know. I have. I didn't even watch it. I didn't watch the highlight. I don't know what happened. I cared that it, little. It was. I don't care.
2: It's got to be one of the strangest games in Chelsea's history because it's the second leg of a tie that was already over. Played what three, four months after the first. Yes, it's, it, it was a really strange no, game.
4: I had no interest. I, I, running us out, Joe. Big games. Uh, I'm gonna go seven because I think certainly
1: I think our best performances this season came in big games. Yeah, I think Liam's point about Arsenal is, is irritating. Certainly the cup final, because it's recent. There's a little bit of recency bias there. But yeah, I think overall seven. Um particularly against City and, and even I think Liverpool would play well this season. So yeah,
4: seven. Six point two average score there for Lamps. So I mean he's outperforming the general games, which I guess guess is a trend there. Um generally. Um, okay, another one that maybe we don't need to go too much into but just how he's handled the press um so Liam I mean I think you're most qualified for this one just the, <laughs> um but I think I guess everyone has their own views on, on press conferences and what they like to hear the manager of their club say and um you see the reactions to it from Pep and the fucking boss in this room to Bielsa's Excel spreadsheet to some press conferences, and then Mourinho's just constant sound bites. They can really impact fans. Before we get into the rankings of press conference chat, um, and this is besides his famous consistency of serious point, <laughs> serious point. Uh, by the way, Leo, has that been picked up by a journalist, before, other than just the internet? Like, is it
2: uh, Adam Hurry, yeah, my colleague at the Athletic? He's got a fantastic uh, Twitter thread on. The Lampardian, the Lampardian transition.
4: When you see it, you can never unsee it. <laughs> it's at a point now where my wife, who doesn't watch football, will say he's done it again. It's it's, it's mad. Um, but I guess my question—it has is,
2: to be—it has to be self-aware at this point. It
4: has to. It has to. It has he to. He has my, to know now. My personal favourite was he did all three in half a second without saying anything. That's in that thread of your colleagues. there. who's outstanding. Um, but just before we get into sort of rankings and, and whether people like how he how he does discuss things because I know a few people here have an opinion on how he is after losses in particular. How much do you think these press conferences matter to the actual team? There's a lot said. It's a bit of a cliche now about, oh, he sent a message to the dressing room there. And it, I, I've always been um, hesitant about that in that I would care a lot more what my coach says to me like when I'm out of the shower and on the pitch training than what he says to to the media room. But then you've got people like Mourinho who does have a clear, clear, clear point he wants to make publicly almost before privately sometimes. So how much do you think, aside from fans and public, that stuff really ingrains itself into players' minds and matters to the squad in general before we sort of discuss how Lampard's dealt with all that?
2: I think as far as the players go, for a manager, it's more important not to make things worse mm. than it is to, to make things better with what you say in a press conference. I don't think players pay much attention unless the manager has said something that they have a problem with. I've, you know, if, if, if he's humiliated them or called them out in their opinion unjustly in public or not defending them, I think that has potential to have a much bigger impact on a dressing room than a manager, you know, defending his players or attacking a referee or whatever because those, those kind of things are just expected um i and i think lampard's generally done that pretty well when he's challenged players as he did with pudolski early in the season i think he's generally done it in a very measured calculated way to 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 motivate them you know it's, it's never come across as malicious um and i think he's he's generally probably got the reaction that he's been looking for with what he said in press conferences Um, You can tell he's been doing interviews for most of his adult life because he's very, very good at giving a full paragraph and not really saying anything, which is which is perfect for what Chelsea want from their manager. You know, they were stuck with Conte, who who spent the last six months of his time lobbing grenades left and right in press conferences because he knew he was on his way out the door. Uh, um, And Sarri, who just had absolutely no filter. And it was fantastic for us, but like. Just, um, lie, Mar- just lie, just Maurizio. Did you uh,
4: watch uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi's uh, England it, debut on on the Surrey press conferences? I, I I don't know. Dan and me probably are still the last remaining Surrey loyalists to a point. But um, I I loved Surrey interviews because he would tell you in quite good detail about why the players have fucked up, yeah, and often name them and just be like, no, he can't play there. He's not good enough. Oh, I was I loved it. It was amazing.
2: Yeah, it was it was fantastic for you, and it was fantastic for us as journalists. It's not great for players, and it's not yeah. what the club wants to hear. The club wants to see their manager go in, be controlled, make no negative headlines, and just get out of there. And and Lampard knows that. He's very good at being diplomatic in that sense. And yeah, he's. I think he's done that well. So it depends who what you're rating him on. Rating him for box office value. Ala Mourinho or rating him for doing what the club wanted
4: him to do. Well, this is where the subjectivity will come in. Uh, Jermaine, I know we've kind of talked a little bit about, especially in the the later games where things were getting a bit tense. There was individual errors was the catchphrase, um, and it, it it wasn't players by name, but arguably it felt a bit finger pointy and a bit. I've done what I can. Rudiger's gone for a slide tackle on the halfway line. Like it, 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 it felt that way. Um, do you think that Liam's sort of, I guess, idea that the motivation uh, of politics and that has has lasted all season, or do you think as things have got a bit tenser, um, it's maybe got a little bit more tetchy and, and a bit less? Slick?
0: I, I think so. Yeah. I th- I think um, as obviously the the more losses, like, as the losses have started to top up and and the errors have started to increase and all of that. And even some of the style of play as well, like like some of it's become a little bit predictable and he's probably getting a bit frustrated. And I think um, he has definitely blamed players, but in a very, very subtle way, if that makes sense. And I think what Liam said is true. Like if you call out a player's name, that's often the only time that they are going to probably take notice of the the press conference or whatever. and, And then they're really going to have a problem when they go back into training the next day. My thing is, I don't think Lampard is the type of person not to call out these players in training as well. So I I can't see Lampard going into training and not addressing some of these areas that Rudiger, Zuma, Christensen, I think he's that close to them. I think he should be able to tell them this. So obviously I will never know, but that's my take on him as a person. I think, I, I don't know, I just feel like he, with, with his relationship with the club and everything like that, I feel like he'll have a little bit more of um you know, confidence to go up to these players and be like, you know what, you you messed up yesterday. Um, whether he, whether you saw me say whatever I, I said in the press conference, I don't really care. But I'm telling you now, in it? Like, you messed up yesterday. So, but that's what it is. So I think he, he's dealt with the press conferences quite well, to be honest. I feel like. Are we doing scores yet? Yeah. 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 So I'd I'd probably give him like an eight because I think he gets across. He gets things across very clearly. Um, he doesn't put the club in any kind of difficult situations. But at the same time, you know, as a player as well, as a footballer at that level, you know if you've made a mistake. And I think Rudiger and them, if they heard what he said, I don't think they would have been that annoyed. Because if you if you think that you're not at fault for some of those mistakes that you're making, then you're probably just lying to yourself as well. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I stand on, on, on Lampard and his pressure.
4: So so Jay's been won over by the, the Frank Lampard PR machine.
3: <laughs> slightly, slightly. <laughs> Oh, is it me? Yeah, I, yeah I'm gonna I actually might give him A nine on this one And I think I echo a lot of what Liam says If I want box office Mourinho is still local Alright So I can still get the Meltdowns in the Mourinho I can still get the Three times free. Time. I can get that for Mourinho But also If you remember um, I can't remember His name now The Arsenal manager The, the one that Got fired
2: Emery
3: Emery Right Emery like really memorable just, guy, yeah? <laughs> exactly, but just
4: it was only six months ago like <laughs> I know,
3: but you know my memory is trashed, but just the fact that like he can and not, like he can really articulate his thoughts well, I think like we've had so many foreign managers, so I'm not going to play that off. I think he's really good in terms of giving giving the press as much as he wants them to have, mm. not giving them more shutting down whenever they, they ask for transfers, he shuts it down. There are, like In terms of neg- negative, the reason why I won't give it a 10 is because there have been times, particularly earlier on in the season, where it was reality check every single time we lost. Reality check. Reality check. How many reality checks? Do you remember? Yeah, and yeah. Li- that could have
4: been bit. another thread daily, I mean, in terms of reality check.
3: <laughs> yeah. And a little, a little bit of the finger point you spoke about, but generally I feel like I want my manager to have everything control, not really give anything away. And I think that he's been a master of propaganda. He's been gobbles like with propaganda in terms of feeding, feeding out the... I don't know we mom, might not, my we needs need to put a statement out about that okay. record. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean in terms of... Yeah,
4: yeah I mean... Okay, very yeah, early, all right.
3: yeah, very early, he's had a script in terms of feeding out, like or, almost reminding people of the situation, the context of the transfer window ban, of the young players of all of these different things that he has. And I think everybody's been singing from the same script and he's been doing that from the press conference. So that I think that's masterful and I'm going to give him a 9.
4: So is that two eights and a 9 from Liam Jermaine? And yeah. I can't
2: remember what I said, but yeah, I'd, I'd give him an a 9. Cool. And
1: Joe? I'm going 10. I'm going to go for the first 10. <laughs> um, and the, the reason is, is... like
4: seeing him talk. Like you just you know, like, like a, Lampard's yeah. here.
1: <laughs> like a mirror image, yeah. No, um... Uh, I think it's just the fact that he, he's brought this kind of calming energy to the club. And it, like Frank Lampard, the brand, he has all of the pundits in his pocket. I think all the, it seems all the journalists like him. And all of the criticism that maybe could have affected the young players, you know, certain players being out of form, depending on out of form, certain players not playing. I think that he doesn't get asked some of those questions because of who he is. And I think he can handle that a bit better. So I think you know, Lampard's been great in press conferences, but also like his personality, who he is standing in the game. Means that he doesn't get asked those difficult questions. Subsequently, the younger players, the players in the squad, don't feel some of that heat. Some of that narrative doesn't get built up. So I think for like being pure like defensive deflective tactics, it's it's got to be a ten. Cool pels. Yeah, I'd go for nine.
5: Um, and that's just kind of echoing a lot of what's been said. But the probably negative, only negative for me is just. Maybe not feel it. I, I get the, the sense that he's a very self aware and self critical um, type of manager, partly based on kind of how he was as a player. Um, but I do sense that there is like a lot of kind of inward reflection. Um, the one thing maybe that I don't like as much is just that um, there, there perhaps are some games we've, we've, I would have liked for him to get, get out in front of and actually, you know, maybe take a little bit of responsibility for maybe a system change or there's um, something tactically. Whereas it comes across more as you know being being put down typically to an individual error and, and I, I guess sometimes that obviously that is the reason um, but also I do think that maybe his influence in selections is is glossed over a bit and maybe doesn't he doesn't um, take as much responsibility for that as I'd as I probably like but yeah nine nine is and the kind of the high schools he's got, I, I feel like he's quite
4: deserved. Yeah, but sometimes, Pels, your players are just too quiet and too short. Um, 8.8, strong. So Lampard, for what he lacks in uh, other stuff, can talk talk his way out of a lot. Uh, uh, and
5: just on that, by the way, I forgot to mention, I don't know why anyone hasn't mentioned it. His his first art was flipping fantastic yeah like, do you know what I remember
4: comparing that to Solskjaer's I remember because Solskjaer had been in a while and just talked about running and working hard and it was just like oh my gosh this is a PE teacher proper like this is mad and Lampard seemed a lot more modern a lot more forward-thinking a lot more reflective it was, it was strong I was really impressed by it um moving into now we've gone off the pitch a little bit on the pitch a little bit I think most importantly now that the season is done is, is the future and and moving forward. So I think number one um, is, and I think this will tell us a lot about what Lampard is to come, is feel free to come in with your rankings just as you talk here We're on our last few in the last straight, is, um, is just his response to adversity throughout the season and, and how you think he's handled that, whether it be players, media, opposition, and, and how does that set us up?
1: Oof, toughy. Um, I think I think on on yeah, I suppose on on the whole, I think he's been done pretty decent. Um, I know Dan spoke about the the narrative that we like to call it, the the young players, the transfer ban, all this sort of stuff. But uh, you know, as like an established thing to come over, um, I don't really think that there are, there are that many managers that would have come in and and done similar. Um, you know, you can talk about people playing young players and all this sort of stuff, but you actually have to want to play them. You know, it's not just some sort of t- Tokenistic thing that you, you know, you you play him out a little bit. You know, he really tried to force some of these guys into the team early on. He really wanted to do that. And I don't think really. You know, looking at some of the candidates we were linked with, like Allegri and people like this. You know, they're going to come in tomorrow. on loan. Mason Mount, seventh choice. Tammy Abraham is on loan somewhere. It's basically the squad last season, just just under a different manager. So, I think from that perspective, and yes, I, I do agree with Dan that the, the narrative is a little bit overblown at this point because we we kind of outperformed it fairly early on. Um, but that, that whole context for me of, of them actually actually coming in and wanting to, to change the culture, make the younger players feel like they are part of the first-team squad, make them feel like first-team players. Um, that, for me, was, was really significant. So, we're talking about adversity, yeah. You know, I think he reacted well to some bad losses. Um, you know, the way that we just sort of kind of were fairly professional in terms of getting over the line at the end of the season. But that, that whole, yeah, getting over it for me for, was, was massive. And I, I don't think there were too many managers that, that would have come in and done similar. So, for that... You know, have to give him a pretty high score. I think probably an eight for me, um, just on the basis. that I don't think many would have come in and done similar, given the the, the situation the club we're
4: in. Solid, solid, Liam.
2: Well, for his for his general handling and reversity, I think you have to score Lampard pretty highly because whenever he's asked for a response from the players and they've needed it quite a lot this season because they've had a lot of defeats, he's generally got one and. Um, I think he he's shown that he can motivate he's shown as we've discussed that he can manage the media around adversity as well and he can communicate he can talk his way quite skillfully out of you know what could be what could otherwise be an uncomfortable press conference um and yeah I think that the one exception and this goes back to press conferences as well um that you can maybe talk about is I think the press conference he did on deadline day in January was the one that yeah. I felt struck a little bit of a Conte tone. Um, he was clearly annoyed that they hadn't signed anyone,
4: and he directly referenced and, the but, Fernandez deal, didn't
2: he? Yeah, called him a world class player, which was very Conte. Um, <laughs> li- little did we know that Bruno Fernandez would turn out to be the the, the greatest player in the history of fantasy football. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he he was certainly went into that with a point to make, and at that point, I at that stage, I thought, oh, how's this going to go? This isn't the most skillful way to play this situation that certainly doesn't feel like classic Lampard. But he recovered quickly. That was that proved to be an exception. And generally, um, he hasn't had to face a ton of adversity internally, but the adversity that Chelsea have faced this season, he's handled very well. So I'd give him probably a nine for that.
3: Cool. I'll go next. And actually, I think, when I think about adversity that he's faced, I just kind of brainstormed. And one of the things that is a little bit kind of, it's difficult to understand. So, like, a couple of times when the opposition, it's not, what, yeah. basically, I was going to say, do you know, like, when the opposition has gone down, like, Arsenal, when they've gone down, in fact, yeah, they went down to 10 men. And we, I think there's pressure. There's pressure for us to win. And like, they're down to 10 men, the pressure comes on us, we kind of have to win. So I actually thinking that that's not necessarily adversity, but there's, there's huge pressure. And I just feel like there's been times whenever we kind of go a goal behind, where it just feels like we're definitely not coming back. And whenever that pressure is on, it just seems like if I was to rate it throughout the season, we haven't, not that many times, we haven't kind of overcome it. There have been games like Ajax where it's kind of come through. We obviously got top four. So there has been kind of glimmers, but I just feel like I'll probably give him more of that a six because I feel like, it, forget, forget about the narrative, as I, as I said before. Um, there has been times where actually like, there's been a lot of pressure and we haven't kind of seemed to respond to it. And that's probably why we've had 12 losses, et cetera. So, yes, um, six. I'd,
0: I'd, probably, I'd probably go quite high as well with a nine. Um, mainly because I, feel, I look at like when he was coming into the season, and arguably probably one of our best midfielders last year. Definitely towards the end of the season, it's like you come in already with him injured. You're dealing with an, an injury prone Kante this season. Um, there was already talk of Hazard leaving. He was our only well, like you know game changer if you want. And then Kante's obviously our second world-class player, but he's injury-prone, so he's dealing with that all season. I think um, like blood in the youngsters through, I just feel like the adversity, just even before he took the job, was just mad. So I think the way he's dealt with it throughout the season, obviously probably could have done a little bit better in, in certain situations, but... I think for, for, for a manager that's like so inexperienced, to get us into the top four, to get us to a final in the FA Cup. Um, I think we've competed against like the top teams as well, decent enough, like performances against Liverpool, Man City, stuff like that. I think there's so much to be positive about in terms of the like way Lampard's dealt with a lot of things this season as well. So I think mainly just because of his inexperience, I'll give him a high score of a man. I'll
5: probably go with with an eight. Um, similar to like kind of what has been said already with regards to the the situation he came into, um, what he's done within that situation is is fantastic. I'd like I make a point of it, but when Joe said we get top four, I cried my eyes out, like <laughs> like so much laughter because I just didn't believe it. I I couldn't envisage a season where we we'd we'd end up where we did basically. Um, and I think that, that he deserves a huge amount of credit for that because there was a lot of kind of things working against him in that sense um on the flip side though i do think block, And and i don't think that's necessarily on him per se but more so when it gets to kind of the second game so you know we've seen it in one and we've seen that we can't break down the team actually when we go into the next game and we're presented with the same problem have we been able to kind of um to, to, to solve that issue and solve that problem, and, and part of that will be down to kind of player quality and, and the attacking talent at, at his disposal. At his disposal, sorry. But um, I know Liam alluded to kind of how much, how well he coaches it, which is something we we'll not necessarily have an insight to. Um, but I do, I do feel as though there are moments where our football is, is meant to look like something, and it regresses to something else. Um, and I do think that, that that inability to really solve those problems is, is probably why we lost. Or, Lost a number of games, or we got sucker punched in the way that we did against you kind of Bournemouth and against West Tams. Um And the other, the other kind of bit of adversity that I feel like maybe he didn't deal that well with is is the kind of defensive issues. I think they were quite they were present from quite early on. I think from pre-season we, we said on here that you know set pieces were maybe something we should be a little bit worried about the kind of manic pressing and the amount of spaces that would be opened up um, from the pressing. And and I, and I think to some extent he dealt with. The kind of line of engagement in terms of pressing but when it comes to the real defensive organization um we've really struggled with that um and we've shown that we can do it so we've shown it in the city games that we can do it so for me that inability to really get them defending well and get them engaged and active in their defending throughout the course of the season yes we can say we don't have you know the, the best defenders but as i said like liam said earlier the, you know the, the a lot of defenders look worse um and that's something that's a bit of adversity that i feel as though, um, you know, he could have dealt a lot better with Fair. Yeah, so, so, yeah, eight
4: still. I yeah, think that's eight. an eight. I mean, to be fair, you said eight, and then you've listed loads of good reasons about why it should probably be a six, but I'm going to go with eight anyway. Um, <laughs> we're, we're coming to the end now, and it's the last two, and I think these really will define kind of his tenure here and whether it's another year and, uh, okay, yeah, good squad building, we'll give it to the reins to someone else or if it could be a real, real long-term appointment. Um, and with with this one I think we're maybe gonna discuss a bit less because there's less places to go with it. So if you wanna just roll through with your ratings and then a short little contribution as to why I think that'll be be interesting. It could be new sign ins that we've been reported There's uh, he's had a, a hand in, quite an influential hand and especially in contrast to the Conte summer, the notorious Conte summer of little to no value. Um or it could be tar- current players that he's chosen, not chosen, etc., And I think that's just player taste. Um, I think a lot of managers do get defined by this. Um, Conte just liked experienced workers who could follow instruction. And Sarri seemed to want players who, as well as the pattern play, could, could open some things up. And um, yeah, I think that will, be, that will go a long way to deciding how effective the, the Lampard sort of idea of, of wanting to play is. So so just a quick little run-round Joe. Player taste for Lampard. Uh, yeah, I really like it. I like
1: the players who are linked to. Um, I like players who've signed. If they get Hazard, uh, Hazard God, Havertz um, yeah. over the line, um, probably better than Hazard these days. If they get ha- uh, Havertz over the line, then then that sort of attack next season is beginning to look quite tasty. You can see what he's after. You know, Pulisic, Pace getting behind players, Werner the same, great finisher. Havertz, the guy to unlock the doors. You know, Zayac is just world-class sort of playmaker from 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 out wide. Um, Needs to drastically look at the defensive situation, but the names have been linked to maybe beyond chill I'm quite happy with. Um, but he seems to have a, a sort of decent idea for me of what, what kind of players would be successful in the Premier League and beyond that. So, yeah, for me, if we get the signings that we're sort of being linked to, especially a bit more on the defensive side, um, yeah, probably probably a nine for me. I quite, quite like the direction. So, yeah, I go nine.
5: Can I, can I just say, Joe, yeah, that is like such a low blow and cheap shot from you about Havertz and Hazard. I don't, I've i not got any time for that.
0: I'm so um, glad you said that, Pills. I'm bro, so that's so that. disgusting. I'm so okay. glad you said that. That was absolutely I, I outrageous.
1: Think, I think uh, Havertz scored more goals for Bayern in like one half of football than Hazard did this season for Madrid. Yes, it, I'm, just, I'm just putting it out there. But. Is this whoa, what we're doing, Joe? Whoa, whoa, what, whoa. What's going on this here?
4: This giving you a what? lot of happiness, Joe. I don't think
1: this is Very really necessary. necessary. Yes, I've moved on mentally.
4: I've moved on now. He's moving on. No, but I don't think you have moved on by the sound of <laughs>
0: things. Another, another aggressive shout for Joe, yeah. I don't speak about my
4: exes like this that I've actually moved on from. You know them ones? It's the ones that I, I still have a bit of bitterness that I speak about like this. I still resign.
5: Oh, you need to so sort yeah. that out, Joe. I mean, aside <laughs> from that cheap shot, to be fair, I do I do agree with a lot of what Joe said. Um, I'm also opposed <laughs> to the Chilwell signing. Um, but with regards to kind of the, the taste I I guess the only the only thing around taste that I'd be a little bit concerned about is maybe the players that have played um, when everyone is available um, and I just think you know I understand to some extent why Alonso plays but then at the same time not a massive fan of it um, and would and would argue that maybe that I'd probably play it as left and 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 Rhys James right maybe yeah, tall pills. It. but yeah I'd say that eight is eight is near enough solid for me.
4: Liam, um, I will give you a choice. You can either give us a score or a transfer exclusive. Which one would you like to uh, go with?
2: I think I'll, I'll give you a score. I'll give you a score tonight. <laughs> got to try. You... You
4: don't buy a ticket. You don't win the raffle.
2: Uh, no, I respect the hustle. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so I'd give him an eight as well. I think Lampard certainly got an eye for an attacking player, given the ones that they've already signed and 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 Havertz, you know, they're they're being linked almost exclusively with with very sexy young attacking targets. Um and I do like the idea of Declan Rice as well, partly because I think it speaks to a personality element that is a little bit lacking from the current Chelsea squad. You can see that Rice has a real presence about him on the pitch for for a guy such a young age. Um and I do think he'd be really good at Chelsea. I'm not sure that deal will happen this summer though because West Ham really don't like Chelsea and they don't like selling to Chelsea and particularly to Lampard. Um, so we'll see. But I, yeah, I think he, he's good at identifying at least attacking players and Chelsea are are being linked with a far more promising bracket of player than they were a year or two ago. So a good, a good solid date there.
4: I haven't quite considered Liam that in signing the deal for Rice to ever join Chelsea, they'd probably have to engage with or look at a very sobering reminder of how those deals can backfire. I hadn't really considered that fact. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see if uh, Declan Rice's social media campaign to pick me, please. Chelsea will we'll come to any, any success. Uh, Dan, how are you feeling 1-10? to 10. Um, I'm
3: delivering between 7 or 8. I love the, the sign. Ennings. um they are attacking signings, but he hasn't made any defensive signs for me to even kind of question that yet. Obviously, we're linked with Chilwell, but one thing I do like about Lampard as well is he, he doesn't seem like he's crowdsourcing information. Like it seems really like like Rice, all Chelsea fans are on board with now, but he's been um, pushing this. It seems for like before Rice was good, so that like, that's just that shows you strong identification not just picking who the flavour of the month is, but actually I like this player. And that's been the same with Chilwell as well. So I respect it because rather than just going after every single player, so everybody's in for Sancho. We could have just gone in for Sancho, but he has—he seems to pick unique talent. So I like that. Again, with kalumi I, I agree in terms of maybe I haven't agreed with his team selections, but in terms of transfer transfer picks, I like it. So that's why I'll go with an uh, eight. I'll go with eight.
0: Um, Yeah, I'd probably go with a nine because I think his attacking options, like like his attacking signings and and who's been linked with and stuff is obviously they've been, I think, top draw so far. Um, If the Oblak link is true and and that comes from Lampard's mouth as well then (laughs) I think that just shows that he just hasn't lost that kind of um, mentality to just want to be the best in every area possible. So like he wants the best keeper like out there at the moment, and I think O'Black is that guy as well. So um, if that's true, that's just um, that, would, that would obviously be a really good sign of as well. But um, I think one thing that I'm impressed with as well is that he could have kind of stuck to um, a lot of the teams that Chelsea have had in terms of like if you look at the strikers that we've had, we've never—I don't think we've yeah. ever had a striker like Vernon. And I think um, him showing that he's willing to go. Like towards more towards how football is now in terms of with the with the with the signings, I think that's a that's a fantastic sign sign as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with who we've been linked with and who we've signed so far. So yeah, nine nine from
4: solid eight point four return for for uh, player taste and and just rounding up, uh, like I said, the players will very much dictate what uh, or how Lampard's vision will will come to pass. Um, I think you can't really escape that, but Just on the final one, he's rating this Lampard vision for the club. So I think there's been mention of a three-year plan. It's a bit unclear if we're in year one of that now or that's just starting now that he's able to exercise freely without a transfer ban. And, And there clearly seems to be some sort of plan that's been reported or leaked or whispered about. So... I guess it's just rating what you've seen so far um, and, and where you think that vision will get to and, and, and how, how ambitious you think it is, how realistic you think it is and, and just balancing those off. So I'm going to start with Pels just because, Pels, you've been outspoken at different points about just not really liking how the team have played sometimes and it may be starting great but deteriorating into something else. Um, This will be the last point, so yeah, get whatever off your chest because. Uh, Scores going to get averaged out soon, so if you've got to stick a last little dig in, do so now. Um, but yeah, vision for the club, how realistic and ambitious, both both in the, in the same sort of realm.
5: I think the vision is, is admirable. It's something that like, I think a lot of us have wanted for a while in terms of the alignment between the kind of academy and the first team. I think the, the, there, was a, there was a piece um, a few months ago just about how the kind of transfer strategy works and how aligned they are in, in that regard. Um, and, and to me, where we look like we're going with regards to the signings, um, and where Lampard looks like he's going in my head with regards to kind of tactically, um, I think we're in a good way. Um, it is ambitious. I think that the, the combination of of young talent from the academy and and you know, star signings, is ambitious in in that how how long do you really kind of keep blood in the youngsters when the when the pressure kind of gets on you for the amount of signings you've made and, and the, the value on those signings. And I think that's that's where I think the ambitiousness is, that ability to to really balance it and mesh it together. Um, it's something that I'm on board with and and I'm a big fan of. I, I hope that it works and I hope that you know he's able to to integrate the new signings and continuously integrate the new players, young players. Um, I think maybe part of that is down to the fact that our squad at times has been down to the bare bones, um, and when it's not, we will. We will the likes of Billy Gilmore, obviously, is injured, but players of that nature and in that status in the squad, will they continue to kind of get the minutes that you know they've they've had this year? Um, for me, it's like I said, it's a good plan, and I'm I'm definitely a fan of it. I, I just, it's almost like I'm waiting to kind of see what it, what it looks like this season with regards to kind of the the, the attacking talent and the players that he, he signs. To see just how far we can really go, um, and it might be it might be difficult to really put that pressure on him in the second season. But I think that's the that is what that is the kind of state of play, and that's what he's under now with the signings that he's making and with the signings that it looks like we're going to make, you know, come October fifth. Um, so for me, yeah, I give it an, an eight, um, more or less happy. Uh, my real question marks around tactics, but to be honest, I don't think we can. I can really say much about that until until the signings are here yeah. and we're playing a few games next season.
4: Joe, I know uh, you wrote a piece of, a little while ago, kind of mapping out how you would like to look uh, hmm. I to look at it a few years from now. Can't remember exact timelines, but that might be placing you sort of around now or, or a year from now. So how how much do you think this sort of Lampard vision would align with what you would want as a as a fan?
1: Yeah, for, for me, it's I've always been sort of fascinated by that whole Sedan and Pavon's concept that uh, Real Madrid had for a long, long time about trying to buy the the best players they can and supplementing them with their you know pretty decent academy. So I think this season is certainly the first step towards that. I'm, I'm kind of with Pearls in that I'm kind of waiting to reserve judgment. I've been. Um, I think this season's been fine, finished top four, established a foundation. I think he's legitimised a lot of the younger players as proper players in the squad. If you can continue to try and feed one or two in, you no, know, I know Ajax have this sort of goal of trying to get two players in every three seasons in, into their first team squad. If you can push for something like that, and then still, you know, maintain that you're trying to at least compete for the the better talent that we can, um, then, then I do I do like the direction. Um, strictly strictly on the philosophy, I mean, for me, it's like it's probably a nine or ten, um, just because I think that this is the direction that, that keeps the club competitive. You know, we've got probably one of the best academies in Europe still in terms of bringing through players, bringing through talent. Um, you know, if you've got someone a manager who can legitimise them make them first team players then that means you can go and spend your 80 millions on your Havertz's and whoever in the future um, so like from a financial perspective from a player development standpoint that whole holistic view of how to develop a club um, for me it's, it's probably a nine the execution side of it how we play the style of play and all that, that that for me has to start developing next season but if we're talking about the foundations year one then I'm, I'm super super happy with what I've seen so I'd, prob- I'd probably go over nine strong nine there yeah
4: Solid fellas, chime in as, as you see fit for this one. Yeah, I'd
0: I'd I'd probably go quite high as well with him. Man. I think, and ambition wise, I think I said um just when I was talking about the transfers, like his vision in terms of how he wants us to play, I think is again very different to what we've seen of the past, like Chelsea teams and the way we've won titles. And I think Lampard wants to win it in a kind of very like sexy football kind of way. I think he does want to play like attractive football. Um, he wants to have the best. Players in, in, in the team, but he also wants the youth um, from the academy to be a big part of Chelsea winning the title as well. And I think, I think, I would like to think that that's his dream in terms of having seven or eight um, squad members that are all from the youth academy lifting the title and having like a, a decent kind of um, contribution to, to winning the title. Whereas in the in the past, you've seen players like Loftus Cheek, you know, get a medal, but they ain't been. They probably kicked like kicked the ball for like five minutes. Do you know what I mean? So I think Lampard's working hard towards doing that. Um, And I think generally he just wants to see Chelsea dominate everything. I don't think he just wants to see us dominate the league. I think he wants to see us dominate everything. And I think um, he's he's showing signs of of wanting to do that. So yeah, I'd I'd, I'd give him a nine in terms of vision
3: Yeah, so from my perspective, I like what Joe was saying, I was thinking about it before, I'm not just taking your point, but I feel like I split it up into vision and execution. And I think vision wise, I believe not just vision, but also like the determination to make that vision come true. I see in his eyes that he wants to make Chelsea great again. He wants to put us back to the days where we, like he was, where we were winning, where we'd go into the Champions League trying to win it, knowing that we'll get to the semi-finals and um, you can see how ambitious he is in the market that he's doing a lot to get there and I love that. Um, I love that side of it. In terms of the execution, I just understand he's a new manager and I believe in 10 years Lampard will look back and say, oh actually I didn't know as much as I thought back then. So I'm happy with Lampard just because uh, he's unified the fan base. I think he's got the right vision as well and I think he'll try and move Helen North to try and get us back to the top and as a Chelsea fan, how do I argue with that? Whether he'll be able to do it or not, I'm not sure. But um, I'm I'm here for the red. Did I give a number? I'll, I'll go um, eight.
2: I think the ambition of it is a ten. Um, you know, Chelsea haven't tried to buy the most coveted young player in Europe, which Havertz arguably is, along with Jane Sancho, since Eden Hazard in 2012. They haven't been shopping in those aisles.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I, I think it, it's been a while since they've had the aspiration to build the best team in Europe. They've been trying to do things smartly. They've been trying to, you know, spend what spend what they bring in in terms of sales and trying to sort of gain the system because they knew they couldn't match City and PSG. Now they have a different model where Lampard's aiming for everything. He's aiming to sign the best young players in Europe he's aiming to establish academy players and he's aiming to play a really expansive style of football um, maybe too expansive at times. So we'll see, we'll see how well it's executed. I think for, for ambition and for vision, I think you have to give it a 10, but for Lampard as a, as a young coach, um, his lack of experience will not spare him the pressure next season. It's coming next season's going to be a proper introduction to the Chelsea job. This was a unique set of circumstances where the best player's gone, there's a transfer ban. You know, it, it was those circumstances made his job more difficult, but they also provided a bit of protection that won't exist next season. And so he has to show development. He has to sort out the defensive half of this team. If they concede as many goals next year for all the attacking talent they've got, I, you know, he's he's far from certain to see year three. but. If he does show progress on that end, they do—they are able to play exciting football and close the gap on Man City and Liverpool and look like they're building to, towards being Champions League contenders again. Then I think um, he, he's achieving everything he set out to do.
4: Fantastic. And I think the, well, the results are in. and I've been on my calculator, doing my year two maths that I haven't had to do in a long time because I don't need it in my day job of coaching. But um, just a quick one, Liam, just you, you alluded to as the final point of the pod um, that they're prepared now to spend again. And, and we agree with you. We've often, we've said that Ziyech is almost the most creative player since Hazard that we've signed. And um, Havertz is by far the biggest coup if it does come off finally that, that the club will have got in eight years now. So what is the change that has cause this I mean you could put it down to Lampard partly but surely as as, as much good faith as he has around the club surely a, a one-year experienced manager isn't the one that you unanimously back just with all, with all these funds so what is it in particular do you think or has there any been whispers around that has made them decide you know what this is the year we're going to splash we're going to be ambitious we're going to be quite cutthroat with deals like the Werner deal um, what, what's changed this year compared to the Conte years, for example?
2: I think the stars have aligned for this in ways that Chelsea planned for and in ways that they could never have seen coming. So I think they were always intending for this to be a key win, having been prevented from spending last summer and having deliberately kept their powder dry in January because they didn't see the players they wanted available. They always intended to spend, but then the pandemic happens and suddenly, the transfer market is in a place where if you don't have a billionaire benefactor or an oil state own, owning you and, and bankrolling you, you are not in a position to spend big generally. Um, you, you can you can even see Man United, the financial powerhouse they've been over the last 20 years, having to think long and hard about whether they can spend 120 million euros on Jadon Sancho because... Everyone is feeling the pinch from this. And, you know, financial fair play has been relaxed for a year, which means really for the first time since the mid-2000s, the only limit on what Abramovich can spend is the limit he sets for himself. Now, I still don't think he's going to bankroll the kind of net spend that we saw in 2003, 2004, when he was first building his team, partly because Chelsea are building from a higher base now. But they see a unique opportunity to get maybe a higher calibre of player than they could have before because there's less competition. In a normal summer, Kai Havertz could have his pick and you know Real Madrid might be higher on his wish list or Barcelona. Those clubs are out of the equation now and you don't know how long that's going to be for. So Chelsea sense that the time for them to strike is now and that is partly why you're seeing them be so aggressive.
4: Okay. Yeah, I mean, and there's a great point there about the sort of, Different circumstances that different clubs have financially, and I know uh, I don't know if he's at the times, but Matthew said the resident Roman Abramovich hater to end all Roman Abramovich haters won't be happy with me saying it. Maybe it's not politically correct, but ah, oh, thank God for our oligarch this summer, eh? Um, results are in, and I can reveal that based off of all of this. Um, this is unarguable, by, by the way. You can't argue this it, because it's numbers, which means it's fact, which means it's science, which means it's true. So. Off the pitch, Lampard coming in at a 7.7, including things like player development, man management, uh, press conferences. Uh, On the pitch, 6.2. So I think this is alluding to where I think all fans know that we we do need to improve next year. And Liam makes a great point about next year is a real Chelsea job. Um, Future, 8.8. So I think that's where it is brightest. And it's it's just about whether or not that can... um, that can that can really come true, and I think we have seen glimpses of that this year in certain performances, as well as the ambition with, with the with the transfers and everything like that. And and these all round off to, ironically, with me not doing any half half uh, scores, round up to a, a seven point five, which I think, as as all of the boys on the pod have alluded to, is, is I think way above par for for what kind of we expected from someone who was one year out of manage, into management transfer ban. Palumi laughing at Joe which I will never get tired of referencing and I don't think Joe will ever get tired of hearing about to be honest because it was a good way to be proven right um but yeah so I think I think it's been a really good chat and I think just this structure has made us think about all the little tidbits in in which Lampard has done really really well and and maybe struggled a little bit um boys can't thank you enough for your time um, it's been really really good to, to look back on the season um, everybody listening next week same as there is no season but there is still content there is still Chelsea to cover so boys thanks so much for your time Liam especially thanks very much for coming on you're more than welcome whenever you want to you want to come on and, and drop that exclusive that you know you just shy a bit yeah. of, you know it's just quiet season it's not quite rolling it's not October yet but. Let me know, mate. You, you, you've got our email and stuff, so that's fine. Um, boys, thanks so much. it uh, been a pleasure as always, and I will see you next week on another additional Chessy Hour. Cheers, really appreciate it. Really Pleasure, guys.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you,
5: It's hard the way
3: through! Oh, that is magnificent! Magical from Edin Azzard! Brilliant run by Ezzard! Oh, that is absolutely phenomenal! That's more like Kante, they do threads on Twitter and ranting, doing the most. say that money is power, so when you get money, keep quite a ghost, ghost. I remember when I shot my shot, but I didn't have
5: guap, so I hit the post. But next time, it's a golden goal.
0: Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have 2 grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. All in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio keto friendly bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.